Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Closer than a brother, following that faithful wounds, and then following that iron sharpeneth iron. I I don't want it to be lost to us that the subject of this month is following on the heels of the subject of discipleship last month. So we spent four consecutive weeks um, dealing with the importance of discipleship. I uh, appreciate everyone that contributed to that series last month but I also would like to say that I, I really believe that Sister Amanda Gibson brought that series to a culmination last Sunday with a heartfelt appeal for all of us not to ignore the call that we have to be disciple makers it is a call that is to everyone it's, it's not just to people that uh, have a call to a pulpit ministry but it is an appeal that we all make disciples. The greatest tool, I think, for making disciples, of course, begins by making friends. That's where it begins. Proverbs 17 and 17, the Bible said, A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And so to build healthy relationships in our lives, it requires two very, very important ingredients. And that is, number one, we must be a good friend, and secondly, we must choose good friends. And you can't be afraid to cull bad friends. <laughs> Amen. We have to distance ourselves from unhealthy relationships. And, you know, there are just sadly people in life who what fuels them is drama. Amen. I know you don't know any of those people, but just trust me. But drama is their fuel. And they live for it, and if something's not going on, they get it going on. And there are just sometimes situations that you've got to distance yourself from for your own self-preservation. And so I, I don't need to just be a good friend, but I need to be very careful in choosing good friends. So when you look over your life and look at your life and you consider the true friends that God has placed around you, I just want to, you to understand that you are at that moment looking at the, at the most valuable possession in your entire life to have good friends, good friends. And so I'm, I'm not referring to casual friends or people that you're acquainted with or even some people that you may associate with on a regular basis. You may work beside someone that you don't consider an enemy. But I'm not talking about that level of friendship. I'm talking about true friends. And true friends are not acquired overnight. Now, obviously, every friendship has to have some sort of catalyst, has to have some something, some genesis that gives birth to that, some sense of beginning. And, and, uh, but it takes time to develop a true friend, and it takes time to be a, a true friend. 
a true friend would never do you any harm at all. As a matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. A true friend would do anything within their power to keep you from harm. That's what a true friend would do. Amen. The Gospel of Mark records one such instance of a pure response from the heart of true friends. The passage of Scripture talks about five friends. Four of them apparently were healthy and one was stricken with what the Bible calls the palsy. It's, a, it's, in, it's possible that the man, uh, what that means, it's, it's possible that, that man, we would maybe say it a little bit differently, that he was suffering from some sort of paralysis or may have been completely paralyzed. At any rate, we know this, that he was unable to get to Jesus. And, uh, and so it, it would seem that this was his destiny. This is how he'll spend the rest of his, his days. His life will be just like that. And that would be true had it not been for four true friends. I know that many of you know this story in its entirety, but not everyone does. So I want to explain it just a little bit. Jesus was preaching in a city called Capernaum. And the news of him being there and the news of his ministry had certainly gone before him. And people had heard of the ministry of Jesus and that as a part of his ministry that he was a healer and that divine miracles had happened at the presence and in the ministry of Jesus. So these four friends decided that they needed to get their friend to Jesus and if we could just have him in the presence of the Lord that perhaps he would be healed and they were willing to risk it all. So they came to the house when they got to the place where Jesus was preaching the house was not just full, but it was full to overflowing so that not one more person could get in. So they took, they took measures in their own hand and they did the unthinkable. They climbed on the top of the house to the roof. They tore a hole in the roof and they lowered their friend right down in the presence of Jesus. Now to some of you, that's an age old story. But when you just think about that and play that out frame by frame by frame by frame, it's an incredible feat, and they risk a lot of things. Amen. They risk their reputation. Don't you think somebody was wondering what in the world is going on? But they understood we've got to do whatever it takes for the sake of our friend. It was a very unorthodox thing to do, but they had a friend in need. And someone once penned these words, a friend in need is a friend indeed. It was a moment that took an unexpected turn because what they were doing was putting him there so that Jesus would heal him of the palsy or of this paralysis. But the Bible says in Mark chapter 2 and verse 5 that when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man sick of the palsy, he said, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And so we are in the presence of the Lord or they were in the presence of the Lord for a physical healing, but Jesus reaches beyond the physical and said, thy sins be forgiven. So here is a man that was healed and forgiven. And it's obvious that he had faith for their healing or they would have never gone to such lengths to do that. They would have never risked their reputation. They would have never risked all that was involved if they didn't have true faith that he could be healed. But they had no idea about the forgiveness aspect of this story. 
they had never heard of anything like that. As a matter of fact, the religious leaders of their day had never heard anything like that. And because of that, they rose up against what was taking place and they rose up against Jesus himself. They went as far to accuse Jesus of blasphemy. In Mark chapter 2 and verse number 7, they asked, Who can forgive sins but God alone? Who but God could forgive sins? And so they were trying to accuse him of blasphemy. And so Jesus, as always, takes these moments and he uses them as teaching moments. Amen. A teaching moment and he's going to demonstrate a very, very powerful lesson. In verses 9 and 10, Jesus asked if it was easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven. Or if it is easier to say, arise and take up your bed and walk. Amen. Now, if you're following this in Scripture, if you read along in this story, amen, Jesus asked this this question, a very pointed question. Is it easier to say, thy sins be forgiven, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk? Now, at this point, he had never said anything about rising, taking up your bed and walking. And with that question still dangling in the air, before they have an opportunity to even process, much less answer the question, Jesus turns to the lame man and says, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine own house. And in that instant, this lame man was healed. And I want to tell you that he wasn't just a changed man that walked home, but I believe all five of those men involved were changed men that walked home. It was a much different journey on the way home than it was on the way there. And here is a man healed, and he owes a tremendous amount, obviously, to the Lord for healing him and for for forgiving him. He owes the Lord a lot. But we can also truthfully say that he was very indebted to four very good friends. Have you ever just been humbled beyond words by the deeds of a friend? And you were trying to push it back and say, no, 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 no. But it was just something they wanted to do. Amen. What a blessing it is. In truth, the only one was healed, but I think they were all changed and affected by the power of what had just taken place. The power of a true friend is is beyond our ability to measure. How can you measure true friends? While I'm teaching today, I want you to think about some of your true friends. Amen. People that are just there. They've been there through thick and thin. They've been there in the sunlight, and they've been there in the driving rain. Friends that are loyal in times of adversity, they they are a treasure. They are just an absolute treasure. Through developing friendships, I think we create many things, many things not the least of which would be a community of people to talk with. And I'm not just talking about casual talk, but things that we can share, things that we can uh, express to them perhaps that we wouldn't feel comfortable and it would be inappropriate uh, to share with just somebody walking down the street or somebody that we casually know. We have, with a network of friends, of true friends, we have accountability. You can't measure what accountability brings into your life. Amen. Have you ever had a friend tell you in essence, they may not have used these words, but have you ever had a true friend tell you, you need to get over yourself? <laughs> you, you need to get it together. And uh, someone said uh, uh, one time, not to me, I just heard someone say that um, 
you wouldn't worry so nearly so much about what people thought of you if you realized how little they did. <laughs> it's kind of an ego breaker, isn't it? So we're all worried about what the world thinks about us and the world's not even thinking about us. So we need people in our lives, not to hurt our feelings, I don't mean that, or crush dreams, but sometimes we just need somebody that can step into our lives and really just turn the light on and say, um, we need to talk about this. Perhaps no greater model do we have of friendship than that of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says that Jesus, speaking to his disciples, he referred to them as friend. Some of the greatest compliments we've ever received have not been titles that we may legitimately hold. But when somebody, you walk up and somebody says, my friend. That's my friend. What an identifying mark. Jesus could have called them servants because in a way that's what they were, but he refused to do that. He elevated them to the high office of friend. And so that become, I think, and becomes a pattern for us to effectively develop disciples within the church. It must be based on social relationships of friends. So to truly develop followers into disciples, and so I believe that we're just kind of, we're just leaping out of, Jan, of July's study right into August with a very common theme. If we're going to truly take followers and make them disciples, then we have to develop acquaintances into friendships. We've got to take it up another level. We need to move beyond just peripheral relationships and we need to let the Lord help us to develop real relationships. I mentioned in our, our discipleship series last month that it has been the devil's pleasure to keep many of our lives just so full of stuff until we think, man, I just can't get involved. I've got enough. Of, oh, if you just knew how full my plate is, and it may be. If you just knew how loaded or even perhaps overloaded my wagon is, there's just no way I can take on another project or there's no way I can do that. And when we fall into that trap, we are right exactly where the devil would love us to be and love us to camp out the rest of our lives, live out the rest of our days. I just don't have it in me to give anymore or to do anymore. Amen. But I believe that we must break the back of that kind of thinking and so today, as, we're, as we talk about loyal friends, amen, I want us to consider the importance of having loyal friends in your life. Sadly, not all friends uh, can be called faithful, and certainly not all friends can, can be called loyal. Some hang around as long as things are normal. <laughs> as long as you don't have any problems in your life, they're glad to be there. But when their commitment is tested, they kind of move along to something else. A great illustration of that is found in Luke 15. We are introduced to a nameless, faithless man that we have dubbed the prodigal son. He asked his father for his inheritance. I want it all right now. And his dad gave him everything that he had coming right then. And as long as he had money, he had no shortage of friends. As long as you can pay it all, as long as you can provide it all, pay it all, supply it all, Amen, then there's absolutely no shortage of friends. Life was a party. He was spending money as if there were no tomorrow. Amen, I have no doubt that he would have referred to many of those people in that circle as his friend. However, when the money ran out, he found out the nature of their friendship. 
and how, how, how what they were really connected to was not his heart but his wallet. And as long as you can provide, and it's not always just financial, but as long as you can meet the need of somebody many times, but the moment you can no longer supply that need, then you realize what a relationship may really be made of. And so those are not real friends at all. Faithful friends are those who, who are consistent through the ebb and the flow of life. And hear me today, every life has an ebb and a flow. Amen. The tides come in and the tides go out of every life. That's just the nature of life. But faithful friends are those that are just there. They're consistent. Amen. No matter what's going on in our life, they are just there. That is the nature of real friends. Real friends comfort you when you're hurting. They encourage you when you're discouraged. When difficult times in your life arise, they're just there. They're just there. Please forgive me for using this illustration again, but I, I just can't seem to get away from it because I lived it, and uh, at least from a distance, and I want to share it with you again. Many of you may recall several years ago, my oldest brother had a son that was killed in an automobile accident. My brother and sister-in-law uh, attend a wonderful church in Apopka, and uh, they have several friends there. But one couple in particular, they have been close to for, for decades. And, um, of course, Apopka is several hours from here. So on that morning when we received that fateful phone call, by the time we could get to their house, this couple was already there, which wasn't a surprise to us at all. She was in the kitchen working about doing anything that she felt like she could do to help. Her husband was also there helping whenever he was called upon to help. But primarily, he was just in one of the rooms of the house, in one of the main rooms of the house, just sitting in a chair over to the side. Some of you men know, I think Brother Darrell, maybe Brother Toby know Jasper in their church. And so I just, I will never forget as long as I live the picture of of this man just sitting in the chair. He was just there. He wasn't in the way. He wasn't trying to tell them how to plan their day or what they ought to be doing or how they ought to be handling this. And when things, when he was asked to do anything, he was certainly right there. But he just remained stationed in that chair until he was needed. And so that night when we got ready to leave, when we walked out of their house, they were still there. And he was still sitting in that chair. The next morning when we got to their house, they were already there. She was working about the house again while he remained stationed in that chair until he was needed. This went on every day that we were there until the funeral. They never left their side. It impacted me. His silent ministry of presence impacted me. Because while my brother and his wife and their family have been upended in a manner that few can ever rationalize, I wonder what was going through their mind when they looked over and they realized there he is just unmoving, unyielding. He had other things he could have been doing, perhaps pressing things that he could have been doing. As a matter of fact, he's not in good health himself. It was probably quite a chore to sit there for hours on end. But he said, I just want to be here. I just want to be here. The ministry 
of presence. Don't ever discount that. Amen. They were never in the way, but always accessible. That's the point I really wanted to make. Even though there were, in this case, there were literally hundreds of people that streamed in and out of their house over the course of those few days. Their loyal friends were just there. They were just there. Thank God for true friends. You see, friendship isn't really friendship until it's been tested. Tested through seasons where everything seems to go wrong. Trouble, um, trouble, is all, trouble will arrive at everybody's doorstep. I understand my audience today, and I'm not, I know this is not shocking information because you may have had to step over a little trouble to get out of your front door to get to church this morning. But trouble has a way of making its way to your life, and, and trouble can be a great time to show true friendship. You see, some people don't know how to help or sometimes even feel as though they have nothing to give, but in the most trying times, true friendships our true friends can arise to the occasion. And I, I will just tell you this as an aside, that, that true friendships come with a price. Now, so, sometimes that's a literal price. But true friends and true friendships all have a price tag associated with it. I don't want you to drift too far from the building this morning, but you can probably think of a few quirks that some of your close friends have. And if you could fix those things, you probably would. But you see, that's what makes them who they are. And so there are some things you have to tolerate in order to have a good friend. I'm not talking about peripheral friends. There's some things you've got to tolerate to have children. <laughs> some things, some things you've got to tolerate to have a companion. Things you've got to tolerate to have a job. Amen. So... Here, there, there are some things that come with a price and, and, and uh, some friendships, even some loyal friendships are a little bit smoother than others. But they also come with a literal price. Sometimes the literal price, I'm, I, and I have an exhaustive list. I wasn't even trying to bring one with me to the pulpit today, but true friendships means that one day you're going to get a graduation invitation. That's going to mean a trip to the stadium. That's going to mean a card. It's going to mean a gift. Amen. And so sometimes true friendships come with a literal price. There's a real price. There's going to be weddings. And, and you're going to be blessed to be invited to be a part of that wedding. And you're going to be blessed to be invited to, to rent your own tux and buy your own dress and <laughs> buy your own gas and rent your own motel room and Some of you sounded like you've been there. <laughs> it's going to come with a real price tag associated with it. Babies and baby showers and sicknesses and hospital visits and even funerals. And it's going to cost you because that's my friend. And I just need to be there. Amen, I just need to be there. Good friends can become great friends when you share life together. 
When you walk together through life, shared experiences always bring people closer and they shared experiences have a way of deepening relationships. That's why people that are a part of, uh, uh, we were praying for our law enforcement this morning and so uh, there is a real sense of unity, a, a real sense of community, a real sense of family among things like law enforcement because they have shared experiences. Oftentimes, uh, near-death experiences and that 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 forms a bond that happens in the military when people are serve in in the different aspects of our military there's a bond that's formed there's something that happens and it's all because that there was something in life they shared they shared just a few months ago not to bring up any bad memories here but just a few months ago we lost our dear friend brother bob gibson and uh, prior to his passing uh, a man that he had been in the in the military with in Vietnam, um, a man that he had not seen in 50 years. Help me with this a little bit now. He had not seen this man in 50 years, and, and they had lost touch with one another. And he had some um, kind of like high school yearbooks. He had they had made books like that uh, from their time. And somehow or another, Brother Gibson had left these books with him 50 years prior. And they lost touch and they had no way of trying to get a hold of He had tried for years to find him and he finally found him. And he drove from Indiana to bring those books to Hatch Bend. You don't find those people every day. Someone at best would have put those in a box and, and allowed UPS to take care of the, of the peril and the problem. But he drove them here and, and we met them and met them on more than one occasion. They came for more than one visit. What a, you just don't find friends like that. But where, where did that happen? It was because they were in combat together. It's because they had some shared experiences and it took a friendship to another level. I mean, it, it made a man continue to look for decades for his friend until he found him. What a tremendous story, I mean, that was for all of us to watch play out. I mean, we have sometimes people that feel like, I just can't get involved, I just can't do that, I don't have anything to offer. And, and, uh, but, you know, we all have something to offer. And these shared experiences, when you, when you, the closer you get to someone, the more of their flaws you can see. And you have to be prepared for that. Absolutely, you have to be prepared for that. Now, that can play out even in, a, in, a, uh, in an actual sense. You can, you can meet people and you just kind of see them at afar. And then after a while, I'll just use this illustration, maybe at camp meeting or general conference, you're sitting in a stadium and, and you see somebody preaching from afar. Our youth just got back last night from, uh, from uh, Youth Congress and so they're in, the, they're in the stadium and they're looking down at the stage and, and everything seems flawless and you might meet that person in the corridor or the hallway and, the, and realize they've got a mole on their nose. Because the closer you get to someone... You see things that you couldn't see from a distance. And so you have to figure out at that point that we're going to have to realize that we all have quirks. Somebody is putting up with something in you right now. Somebody's putting up with something in me right now just to call me friend and just to be a friend. You mean we see their inferiorities, we see their fears, we see their concerns, and often we see their flaws. 
But how else are you going to develop a friendship, a real friendship, if you don't get close enough to see those flaws? So we have to be mature enough to realize we all have flaws. Amen. We have to be, uh, in, in those situations, you have to be uh, able and willing, maybe I should say, to be comfortable enough to let your guard down. And then we are called on to just accept people for what God made them, fearfully, wonderfully made The wisdom of Proverbs says a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. It takes time to develop friendships. It takes energy and effort. Amen. There there may be a feeling of instant connections, and and we've had those. Um, I've had them. You've had them where you just met someone and you just felt like, uh, man, it seems like we've known each other for years, and and just instantly you just kind of jump off the deep end of the pool. Amen. And and I will tell you that, That has happened on more than one occasion in my life, and I put stock in that. However, no matter how much of a jump start we got, I can't really know someone without spending time with that person. So my wife and I have several friends, and through the years we have vacationed with some of our good uh, minister friends. And you know, when you're together and you're locked in a cabin or you're locked here, you're locked there for a few days, it all starts rising to the surface. Some people are early risers. Some people are not early risers. Some people are very quiet when they get up. Other people think the world are to get up with them. Amen. And so what are you going to do? You're going to move. You're going to try to find the Isle of Patmos and say, scoot over, John. I'm coming in. <laughs> or are you just going to say, you know what? I want to, I just want to, I'm getting so much more out of this. I'm just going to, I'm just going to put up with it. You know, I'm going to tolerate that. And, uh, and so there are things that we just have to adjust ourselves all along the way. There's some people that, uh, that I have had uh, a, a friendship with almost my entire life. Amen. We've known each other from our youth growing up, and, and maybe we met them at youth camp. I've got friends that I see at camp meeting now that we grew up on the, uh, on, on the youth camps, going to youth camps together, and, and, uh, and that, that's a wonderful thing, but that's not always the case, not always the case. I have found uh, two things to be true in my life when it comes to friendships, and sometimes this is a little bit hard for some to reconcile, but I have found two things that are true when it comes to friendships. There are some friends in our life that are friends for reasons. And there are other friends in our life that are friends for seasons. There there may be reasons, circumstances, things that merged our life together. And we may be friends the rest of our life. We're friends for reasons. There was a situation in my life, a situation in their life, Maybe a situation in both of our lives that brought us together. We found ourselves traveling the same highway, the same cause at the same time. And so we are friends for reasons. And then at other times, we may just have friends in our life for seasons. Amen. Maybe that God has just placed someone in our life for a little while. And the Lord wants us to glean some things from them and give some things, glean some things from them, give some things to them. And it's just something that God used for a season of time. Iron, sharpening iron, sharpening iron. 
Amen. And that, that friendship didn't come to, to a, a close or it didn't come to an end through animosity, didn't come to a close because of some falling out, but just a season of life changed. Amen. Amen. And so a se- that season of life changed. And so sometimes that ge- can, change can be geographical and that can change the dynamics of your relationship. And so while we may still be connected, the dimension and the depth and the breadth of our friendship has somewhat changed because it was really just a season in our life. Amen. Often loyal friends can become more like family than friends. You have those in your life? I mean, you don't even think about not being related to them. My wife and I were invited a few weeks ago to, uh, to go to a, um, a reception. And, and so the night before, they were having something just for the family. And so they sent us word. They said, we want you to be at this family function. And so uh, we went walking in, and, and as we knew most everybody there. And, uh, but there were some people that walked up to us, one person, one man in particular, he goes, I didn't know y'all were related. I said, well, we're really not related. But I said, we've just been together so long until we all think we're family. And so we all, you all have similar perhaps experiences to that. Life will have its share of problems, but, but loyal friends, they're just there. They're just there. Adversity can be more easily to overcome, certainly in all of our lives, if we have a friend to help us through that season. Sometimes just having someone, and I want you to hear me very carefully, sometimes just having someone safe to talk to is a real benefit. I didn't just say having somebody to talk to, but I'm thankful for safe places that I can talk, safe places that I know what... I share right here. I'm not going to read about this in the National Enquirer. I'm not going to hear about this on Facebook. I'm not going to hear about this down the road somewhere. Amen. I found some safe places in my life that I could just talk and 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 I could help I could that was therapy just to be able to get some things off of your chest. Jesus I think was and is the the consummate example for showing true friendship. He loved at all times, not just when things were going well. Not just when things were going his way. Amen. As a matter of fact, even when Jesus was being betrayed and he knew who was betraying him, he called his betrayer, a man by the name of Judas, he called him friend. He loved at all times. Loved at all times. Friendship with the disciples did not depend on their perfection because they were not perfect. And we know a little bit about some of the disciples more so than we know about others. But to those whose flaws are so glaringly obvious, we see that Jesus did not differentiate between them and lift one and up and push the other one down. Despite their frailties, despite their failings, despite their faults, he used them. It's been said countless times in pulpits all across our nation, certainly around the world, that if it had been left up to most of us, we would have never trusted Simon Peter ever again. He would have been on perpetual probation. Am I right? We certainly would not have given them the keys of the kingdom. (laughs) By no means are we going to give this man a master lock, a key to the master lock. We're just not going to do that. Amen. We're not going to do that. 
Praise God. I just received a text message <laughs> from a friend of mine in another time zone. I'm talking about one of these loyal friends. I'm reading this to you right now. He said, preach to them, preacher, for if you fail to lift the trumpet to your lips, they will perish. I'm thankful for loyal friends. Amen. And if you didn't think it was, if you didn't think it was tacky, I would answer that text right now. Amen. <laughs> Hang on a minute. I got to get back and tell him that I've got the trumpet to my lips. Praise God. Praise God. Hmm. This same friend, this same loyal friend one night knew that I was preaching a conference in a large venue and I was scared out of my mind. I felt like I was in way over my head and perhaps was. I was sitting on the platform. I had prayed every prayer I knew to pray. The songs were winding down and I just knew and I'm just moments away from them introducing me and me walking to the pulpit and the weight of the world was on my chest and one of the ushers, one of the workers in that and that facility and that complex came to me and I saw him with a little note in his hand. He kept walking to different people and finally somebody pointed to me and he walked over and handed me a little note and it was a note from this loyal friend that said, God's got this. You're going to be all right. Amen. There was a love and a comfort. I'm thankful for loyal friends. If I keep talking about it, I'm just going to stop and call him. <laughs> He's got a phone call coming today, that's for sure. Loyal. Loyal friends. Loyal friends. I'm glad that my, my real friends don't hold me to a higher plane that is so unrealistic I can't reach it. But they accept me warts and all. And I'm thankful for that. I had a very dear friend, a very, probably one of my closest friends. Just a few days we were ago, we were together and we were discussing something. He said, I know I do things from time to time to make you mad. And I was quiet because I didn't know how to respond to that. And I didn't see that coming. And my silence gave me away. He said, that's just the nature of friends. But thank you for loving me anyway. Amen. Jesus' introduction and his greatest instruction was this. Love one another as I have loved you. You say, well, I don't know if I can love that person because they really get on my nerves. I wonder how much we bug the Lord. I'm sorry to, to say it that way, but I'm not trying to be disrespectful. But I wonder how much we irritate the Lord when we ask the Lord for something and then when we turn right around and ask Him again and again and again. And we say, are you sure, are you sure, are you sure? How many times has the Lord, we've ever prayed for something and the Lord answered our prayer and we go, really? Wow. I wonder how much the Lord has to tolerate out of us. I want to hurry to a close. And I would just give you a contrast as we conclude here today. John 5 tells the story of, a, of Jesus passing by a man near a pool 
near the pool of Bethesda. The Bible says of this man that he had been an invalid for 38 years. And as the scripture says, an angel would come by and trouble the waters, stir the waters. And whoever the first person was to be able to get into that pool, they would receive their healing. And so Jesus asked this man that had been by this pool for 38 years, he said, will you be made whole? The man said this, what a sad refrain. I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. He in, in essence, he said, I have no friend. I have no one. He recognized that I'll never be the first one to the pool because I don't have any friends to help me get there. Now, if we just contrast that story against the opening story in the scripture where four men said, you know what? I heard Jesus was in Capernaum and we need to pick up our friend and we need to get him there. These friends that walked, we don't know how far. And these friends that went to great lengths and risked reputation and all to put their friend in the presence of Jesus. And yet the man at the pool of Bethesda says, I have no friends. Thankfully for him, he may not have had any friends, plural, but he had the friend of friend that was standing face to face. Amen. So... I'm thankful that he was healed because he came across that. But hear me today. It would be a sad thing to think about living life and not having friends. And so I conclude with these comments to say cultivate friendships. Amen. Because you're going to need someone in your day. You're going to need someone in your time of need. Try to be a friend to people. Try to be a friend to them. Amen. Make yourself available to them. When we invest time and when we have given ourselves to friendship, then that helps to ensure that, that most likely that person is going to be for, uh, there for us in our time of need. And, and I, I say this, and I, I, I don't want to be misunderstood, but to me this is sadly accurate. My wife and I have talked about this many, many times through the years, that we have watched people spend an entire lifetime pushing everybody away. Pushing everybody away. It was just so bristly and burly and just so difficult to get along with and just so unbending and so unyielding and they just chase people away by their actions and by their deeds because the Bible says if you want friends, you've got to be friendly. And some people have spent a lifetime pushing people away and we have watched them leave this world bitter because they were alone. Because they realize all too late in life, I need a friend, but I don't really have a friend. So I ask you today, who is your very best friend? And if you struggle a millisecond to write a name in that blank, you've got a homework assignment. Who is my very best friend? Somebody that I know. I'm not just talking about somebody that I can borrow money from, somebody that can bail me out. I'm not talking, I'm not talking about somebody that would just really understand. And so if you want to have someone in your tomorrows, you had better start cultivating friendships today. Because we're going to need friends.
we're going to need friends. Amen. If we're going to if we're going to successfully disciple people to the Lord, then we're going to have to make friends. Amen. We're going to have to make sure that we make friends. Amen. Because you can't you're going to be so much more effective in our witness if we have friends than if we are just trying to talk to someone we're casually acquainted with. Amen. Amen. God is, needs to help us and I'm sure that he will and I trust him to do just that. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I want to make a couple of announcements, if I may. Um, We need to remember that next Sunday on August the 11th is the deadline for the Apopka Men's Conference. Um, And so registration, the registration has to be in uh, by next Sunday. The cost is $90. If you'll please make your checks payable to Hatchman Apostolic Church. If you have any questions about this, see Brother Alan Everett Jr. for payment or details. And then also on August the 9th, our back-to-school rally will be at the campground. The van will be leaving here at 6 p.m. And if you will, please let Sarah Boyd know if you're planning to ride the van. Amen. I'm thankful for our youth. I appreciate the sacrifice of our youth leaders, our student, our student pastors to go, and all of the, the helpers and the chaperones that went. Amen. They had a very difficult trip home, as many did yesterday, whether they were driving or flying. And uh, they left about 3 o'clock yesterday morning. They got here about 10.30 last night <laughs> due to some breakdowns on the bus. And, uh, but they're here, and I'm thankful. Bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and I've seen some of those young people this morning. And let me tell you, they're thrilled to be here. <laughs> they, they are beside themselves. May the Lord bless you. Greet some of our guests. Would you do that? In Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.